Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Scramble Podcast, brought to you by Farmers Hen House Eggs that not only taste good, but do good for you, for the farmer, for the hens, and for the environment. Today, we are joined by an award-winning chef uh, who was featured on Bizarre Foods Iowa back in 1980, no, back in... (laughs) Back in what, 2016? No. 17? No, because no, I was I sold my restaurant in 2013. All right, when was it? 2008, 9, 10, somewhere in there. Okay, in 2009 or 10, he really was done featured. done your homework. You know what? I, I don't do my homework yeah. because I want to get to know you <laughs> on the you, podcast. Yeah. I want to make it real. I so, gotcha, yeah. Anyway, today we are joined by Chef Matt Steigerwald of Rapid Creek Cidery, uh, formerly Lincoln Cafe and Lincoln Wine Bar. And I don't know, what other restaurants have you owned? There? I mean, I moved here in 2000 and opened the cafe that within six months. Was that your first restaurant? It was the first restaurant I, I owned. Okay. I opened four or five over the years in, in North Carolina and in Richmond where I lived. Yeah, yeah. Virginia. So uh, you've been in Iowa, you said, since? 2020. No, 2000. 2000. Hey, you know, you know, I had twos and you know, I had zeros. In I, it. I didn't do my homework either. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we moved here in uh, 2000. My my wife, my then girlfriend, got a job teaching at Cornell College in Mount Vernon. Yeah, yeah. Met her in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Was she a student me. down there in Chapel Hill? She got her doctorate there in uh, Victoria Literature, and we moved here because she got a job teaching at Cornell, nice. where she still is to this day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you were a chef. In Chapel at Chapel Hill at a restaurant, I assume. Yeah, I mean, I um, we I started cooking when I was probably. I mean, I had a couple cooking jobs in high school, just at bakeries and things, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I started um, moved to Chapel Hill from Greenville. Went to college in Greenville for two years um, at uh, East East Carolina University. Okay. And. and about an hour from the coast of North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it Pirates or something? Pirates, yeah. Get, yeah. You have done your homework. And, uh, but I didn't, it's it's not a great place. I didn't love Greenville. It's a little kind of middle of nowhere. Gre- was in Greenville, uh, well, so I have a friend, maybe you know him, he grew up in Greenville. His name's Nick Brown. No, I don't know. He's an author. No, I don't know. And he wrote a book called, oh man, Flood Markers. And it was about no. Hurricane Hugo. Oh, no. When it came over Greenville. Back in the really? 80s, no. I think. Were you there? I I went to Greenville. I went to ECU 86, 87. Okay, so you were just there for school. Yeah. Grew up in Chapel Hill, though. I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh. So about yeah. a half hour from Chapel Hill. The okay. triangle area, Raleigh, Durham, and, and Chapel Hill kind of make a, a triangle in yeah, yeah. North Carolina. Yeah, that's um, where all the universities are. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so, a good place. So you, you were cooking before you came to Iowa? Yeah. Did I you would, have like a real sentimental like upbringing with food or was my it? parents were excellent cooks I, yeah. mean, I mean they cared about it um they were members of a something called the eating and drinking club in raleigh north carolina where i grew up and it was just them and a handful of friends would go out to different places to eat and make meals and talk about food and and so and i have five siblings and the kitchen in my house was always the center of activity and yeah and my family got along really well and so the kitchen was a fun place to be yeah all, all the time growing up. I think that's probably why I gravitated towards it because it's just fun to be in the kitchen. Sure. Yeah. Now, were you, were you self-taught or did you go to school? I did not go to school. I I didn't have a lot of friends that went to school for cooking. Uh, most we 
Most of the people I worked with and knew at that time, we were very lucky to grow up in a, in a place where there was a lot of good, good, good chefs. Yeah. There, was, there was a lot happening in food in the mid-'80s in Chapel Hill and Durham and Raleigh. And uh, so we kind of – I have several friends who at that age – who, who now own and run restaurants in that area. Okay. <laughs> we all kind of came up together. Yeah. Three or four or five of us, yeah. Was that era, like, a, was it farm to, kind of a farm-to-table era, or what was, what was exciting about it? I think what was exciting about it was it was the beginning of Southern food becoming legitimate in a way that it hadn't before. Like more than, <clears throat> more than Cracker Barrel? Well, it, it became academic. It, like, you, p- people started studying the history of it. It started showing up on white table cloth restaurants you, yeah. know, you you would never see grits say or country ham and the, in a place that was kind of a high-end dinner place and then it started being that you yeah know, you started being able to bring that food from the region into a higher end setting and turning it into something that people would pay money for right instead of just a diner you know sure <clears throat> and um that was the era of that just exploding yeah um, were you cooking during that era anywhere it was right 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 when i was starting okay so um well I moved uh, to Chapel Hill in '88, and uh, there was a chef named Bill Neal who had a place called Crook's Corner. Um, it's actually a video that we did on um, YouTube about him um, from from the Wilsons um, uh, Pollinate video series on YouTube. He was from that area, and he was self-taught, and he was young, and he was the first kind of chef in the area to turn that food into fancy food yeah and he was well loved and then the new york times took note of him and that kind of blew up like he was the first person to like shrimp and grits you've heard of shrimp and grits yeah, yeah. Has. that was his he kind of took shrimp and grits from being a uh coastal fisherman's breakfast to a high-end white yeah, tablecloth right. restaurant and so he was huge yeah and he Many people who worked for him but became huge and worked in other places. Um, and he was so his restaurant was in Chapel Hill, where I was, where I had just moved. And though I didn't work for him at that restaurant, his he his energy for cooking spread out yeah. throughout that region. Um, he actually died in '91, so he he died while I was there in Chapel Hill, but. People who worked for him opened places, and people who wanted to work for him opened places. Um, and I worked for them, and then I helped a friend open a restaurant in Raleigh, and kind of went from there. Yeah. yeah. So coming from this real uh, buzzing and kind of at the forefront food scene yeah. in North Carolina, yeah, <clears throat> you moved from that to Mount Vernon, yeah. Iowa. It was a. What was that like? It was a change. I yeah. Mean, it was. It was interesting. I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I hadn't. I visited here once before we moved here, but... Uh, and, and just for those listening, uh, Mount Vernon, Iowa is like a population of what, about 5,000? I think it probably, when we moved there, was probably three or something, and now it's probably seven or eight. They've built some neighborhoods sure. out, and it's, it's definitely grown. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe six, yeah. 6,000. But it's a small town where kind of the liberal arts influence of the college yep. meets yep. this real... Uh, rural agrarian influence of the local farm population right right? and that was a hurdle for me when i first came here yeah because there was just a sense that you know i think we had a hamburger on the menu that was like at the time 
eight bucks and people are like no one's gonna buy that <laughs> <laughs> you know or you know we had we had a ribeye in the menu that was like 22 bucks see, see here's the deal i can attest to this because i grew up in iowa yeah <clears throat> and then i moved to new york city right oh. after college mm. and i remember one of my biggest shocks was having to pay eight dollars for a hamburger. <laughs> That's funny. I yeah. couldn't believe it, and yeah, I was so upset. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I met my wife, and That's then she, so she turned me onto a, the food scene and spending money on food. Yeah, before I mean, that, I was it was totally. You know, that's cheap. why that that's why my tagline at the cafe was always um, um, "Food is important." That was yeah. our that was our website. That was our tagline because I felt like. Moving here, I was surprised at how unimportant food seemed to people. Right, it seemed like an afterthought. Oh yeah, and this was two thousand. You know, I had one farmer I dealt with, and I've got ten or twelve now. But yeah. at the time, it was just really hard to find good, fresh food. Right, it was strange. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like growing up, there was a very utilitarian relationship yeah. with food. Yep, exactly. Right? Yeah, um, and I, I think, you know, maybe it's just indicative of the time, but also might be indicative of the place. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's definitely changed. I mean, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Oh, yeah. Uh, but well, the, well, Dude, I mean, honestly, I think you had something to do with that. Oh, I hope so. I yeah. hope I did because it, it, it really has gotten better, and I think people know that you have to eat a certain way to support the planet and support your health and support the economy. Well, and, yeah. and even, too, to think about, and, you know, there's probably more of the story that you can share, but the, the reason why you were featured on Bizarre Foods, right? Like, you know, for your restaurant, it wouldn't necessarily be bizarre, right. you know, in a metropolitan area, but it was yeah. bizarre yeah. for Iowa, right? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how that Bizarre Food thing ha- happened. I think it was just, they were kind of, uh, look, they were, I think they were kind of overextended in terms of what they were showing. And so they kind of moved from Bizarre Foods to just interesting food stories. Sure. You know, and I, and, and we had gotten a lot of attention before that. And that's how people find out about you. You know, there was a, we had a big article in, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, the Oprah magazine. Oh yeah. It was like a five or six page thing about us. And, uh, and then the New York Times had a little piece about us during the election sure. uh, cycle. Cause they were talking about best restaurants, you know, in the Midwest. And Chicago Tribune did a thing like best, best, uh, or restaurants worth a drive from Chicago, and five restaurants we were one of those. Yeah. So I think those kind of things, are, you know, they they feed on themselves. You know, you get one of those things, and then the marketing people for the for someone else sees that and says, oh, let's sure. reach out to them and do that. Right, right. It's a snowball that builds. Yeah, but 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 just to get back to your point, I I do think that. Um, at the time when we started Lincoln, that uh, the food scene was non-existent. I mean, yeah. I I moved here at 32, expecting to find a chef to work for who would be who would I would learn from, yeah, and who would be influential to my career. And so you didn't come here with the ambition to open a restaurant up front. Not at all. I yeah. came here thinking I'm excited to find some cool chefs to work for who are older than me, who have been doing this. Yep. And there was zero. <laughs> I mean, there was no one. Right. And not even, not even probably in the surrounding areas, really, too. No, right? I mean, yeah. you know, um, I mean, there was a, a couple of guys I, who were about my age that I met right away in Des Moines yeah. who were just kind of doing their own thing, but had, had no one to really uh, mentor them. I mean, yeah. I fully expected to keep being mentored still. I hadn't. I had definitely run restaurants and opened restaurants, but I didn't feel like a chef. I felt like I had been kind of been a faking being a chef, yeah. you know, doing other people's food and trying to learn to my own food here and there. 
but I didn't think that I was coming here to have an influence. I thought I was coming here to learn. So what was that moment that you were like, I need to open a restaurant? Well, I think when I just, I moved here in 2000 and um, we did a few dinners in Mount Vernon at people's homes for people would pay a little money. Like yeah. a, a series of little dinners for 20 people, or 15 people. And people were just were really excited. They're like, wow, you can't get this kind of food anywhere. You can't get, you can't eat this well at any restaurant around here. I'm like, really? And then I kind of started looking around. Um, I did meet uh, Kurt Freeze, who is not with us anymore. He, he died a couple of years ago, but he had a um, uh, devotee restaurant downtown. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember devotee, the, he was the a, Spanish tapas restaurant. He was a very early um, influence on local food, slow food. I mean, he he was it. Yeah. And I did go work for him for a little while when I first moved here for like six months while is I... Is devotee still around? No, yeah, no, okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but um, he was kind of the only voice I heard talking about local foods and um, and slow food and making sure to eat well and da da da. And yeah. and so I knew that there was something happening. Like someone was talking about it. And so I didn't know how to cook any other way. I mean, I had never worked anywhere. Where that just bought food from Cisco and dropped it in the fryer. That wasn't something I had any experience with. I, I still don't really know how that works. Like I don't, I don't, I've really done that very much. So I came here. Only way to know how to cook would be to find a farmer, have them bring you stuff, and cook it really well and sell to people. Yeah. So I, I didn't have a choice. That was the only thing I knew how to do. So I, I did it, and it, and it, and it was, it was, it was well received. You know, I mean. It was a very small restaurant in a small town, and I think it was kind of a unicorn oh, yeah. in that it was like that, and that people just loved the juxtaposition of the weird little town and the ugly dining room and, and the high-end food. And, yeah. Um, so that I think that got us attention. Well, and two, uh, some of the uh, chefs you had come work for you went off and also had some influence. Oh, yeah, later on, there, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, um, you know, I guess in t- 2008 or nine. Um, um, uh, I met um, Andy Schumacher, who was from Cedar Rapids, yeah. and he had gone to New York and moved back, and so he... He was at, what, a, like a Next Food Network he finalist was. Yeah, or something? He was, he was. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I don't think he was a finalist. I think he was in the... Uh, he, or in the top yeah, five something, or something, yeah. But yeah. He, um, w- he came back here to with his wife, and they started a family here, and he worked for me for five years, and then they opened Cobble Hill, and... Um, Matt uh, Malone used to have a place in Cedar Rapids called Pig and Porter, Pig and, Porter yeah. um, and he, I, don't, I forget where his family was from, but uh, before Pig and Porter, he worked for me for three or four years as well. Yeah. Um, there was a kid named Noah Sandoval who actually was probably the most, definitely the most well-known guy that worked for me, and I mean, I don't, I don't think I had a huge effect on his cooking skills. He only worked for me for about a year when he was a kid, but... Uh, now he has a place in Chicago called Oriole, which is like a two Michelin star. Wow. And he's, he's really, really killing it up there. Yeah. You've been, you been there to visit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Excellent. Course, yeah. Excellent food. But, uh, but that was probably mid, mid-2000s mid that he came down here for, I think he, I don't know why he came to Iowa, but he was in Iowa briefly and he worked for me and then he moved up to Chicago. Yeah. That. That's pretty cool, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, so you... You know, had Lincoln Cafe from 2000. You said you sold it in... Yeah, we opened 2001, yeah. summer. And okay. then we 
I closed it to December 2013. Okay. And then were you out of the restaurant business? For well, I had Lincoln Wine Bar. Okay. So our friends opened a place called Divine Wine in Mount Vernon, down the block from us. Yeah. And the thought was, because we couldn't get a liquor license at the cafe, because we only had one restroom, and they, the law was you had two restrooms. I tried so far, so hard on and off to try to get them to give me a pass on that. Yeah. They eventually did, in like 2010 or something, but it was a little frustrating. And anyway, they opened uh, Divine Wines, a little wine, tiny wine bar down the street to sell people wine to come to my restaurant. Okay. Because no one had anywhere to buy wine. Yeah. So they'd go there, buy a bottle, come down. So that was the impetus. That was why they opened yeah, the restaurant. Yeah, why they opened it. Okay, I mean, well. why they opened, opened the wine bar. Yeah. And then I bought that from them in 2007. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, really it was, you know, eight, the whole room was probably 10 feet wide. Right. The whole restaurant, whole yeah. wine bar. And then in 2010 or 11, I, I knocked out the wall because it was a split building, yep. knocked out the wall and uh, brought in a, a really nice um, uh, wood-fired pizza oven from um, Naples, Italy, yeah. and turned it into Lincoln. And then it was always it, it was already Lincoln Wine Bar, but then I added the added wood-fired pizza and live music, right? And a, and a and a dining room and everything. And so that was that was a nice thing for me. I really really liked doing that. Yeah, yeah. So you were in the kitchen quite a bit then. Well, I mean, you know, the first couple of years I was I was working the oven yeah with um, 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 Aaron Hall who kind of developed the dough recipe there for us okay and is he is he is he a baker yeah he um, he has a place called local crumb so is that Mount Vernon yeah, yeah he sells bread to some restaurants around here for sure He's so my wife baker my wife was a was taught high school English at Mount Vernon oh she okay. just retired resigned not retired uh, Resigned this past year because we had a, a COVID baby surprise. Oh, yeah, excellent. Um, thanks. Congratulations. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she knows Aaron, Aaron Hall. Yeah. And he and he, does he provide the bread to Rapid Creek? Or no? He used to. He used to. Okay. But because because we have a uh, bakery up at Wilson's, we really were gotcha. always trying to move towards making our own bread. Yeah. So yeah. Now we do. Yeah. But, but his uh, he's he's an amazing baker and yeah. he does provide bread to many restaurants around here. And he came up with your dough recipe at yes. Lincoln Wine Bar? Well, he was he he was working for me at the cafe a little bit, serving tables and stuff, but he was always baking on the side and selling his bread. Yeah. And then when I was going to open the the pizza side of the wine bar, you know, I said, you got to help me get this dough recipe together. Yeah. Um, and so he, he did that. Yeah, and, he did a good job. And yeah, great yeah. job. And so, you know, the first year or two, it was always he and I, you know, he he would be working the dough, and I'd be working the oven, um, and and I, that was a lot of fun. I, I wish I wish that that would have, I wish I could have made enough money to live off yeah. that little place. Because even after selling the cafe, it just it was it just was I couldn't make enough I couldn't make enough money for me right. to be happy with just having that as my business. Right, know? right. So I sold that to Jesse Sauerbrei, who owns it yep. still to this okay. day. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first place I've ever had uh, octopus on pizza. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So that was good, man. Um, and so then after you sold the Lincoln Wine Bar and Cafe, mm -hmm. you, did you get out of the restaurant business for a little then bit? Then I went to go work at uh, New Pioneer Co-op. Yeah, okay. So I went to, um, I went with the intention of kind of running their delis. Yeah. And when I first got there, they were getting ready to open the Cedar Rapids New Pioneer Co-op. Oh, okay, yeah. So I helped them open that and that, and that deli. Um, and worked there for about you, a you, year. Are you, are you the reason for that? What's that amazing sandwich they have? It's like the pit. 
Pago. Uh, I don't know what it is. Oh it's man, been, it's been a while. It's got. Uh, five years I don't even know what it has on it. It's yeah. just like a Willy Wonka concoction yeah. of a yeah, sandwich, no. man. But it's uh, so good. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, and I helped open that store, the deli in that store, and then they had been building a hub, like a center kitchen, okay. to kind of make all their uh, breads and all their pastries and all their salads for their uh, delis. Yeah. In uh, North Liberty, and so I went over and ran that, kind of being the head of all three delis and yeah. trying to develop more more recipes for those delis. Yeah, um, I left there in fall of 2016. Yeah, and then was that because you were getting an itch or over opened up? Uh, I I talked to the people at Rapid at, at uh, Wilson's. They had been they had reached out to me because when I had the cafe about. Um, Trying to open a restaurant. Is it the new the new owners of Wilson's? The owners of Wilson's, yeah. Or the former, because there wasn't the original owners and there was the original owners, owners. Yeah, I don't, I forget the year that uh, Paul and Sarah, um, Paul Rash and Sarah Gehring, their their kids are Jacob and Katie. Okay. And they own Wilson's. Gotcha. And they've owned it since maybe 15 years. Oh, for a while then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, were, they wanted to open a restaurant on the property, and so they had come to me to ask, just ask me about that. Just advice about that, yeah. and then that was before. And then when I won, when I was leaving New Pie, I got a hold of them and said, you know, where are you in this process? Because I might be looking for some work here. Yeah. And then we opened in April 2017 at yeah. Rapid Creek. Yeah. And it's been a hit, man. It's a hit, you know, but it's it's uh it's hard to get people all the way out there sometimes. I mean, you know, when the weather's nice and when and uh, you know the beautiful patio and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think being five or six miles out, you know can be hard if the weather's not good or in the winter you know it's it's a it's a real destination i think we sure i think we'd like it to be more of like kind of everyday spot for people but i i'm, I'm not sure how much to expect of that since it is far out in the country and i mean it's not far in the country but it, it's out away from iowa city right and just by itself just as an orchard it's kind of a special occasion place where you would go and sure make a plan to go there anniversaries and yeah you're not going to wander nature. in yeah but I wish we had a little more of that business, you know, the wandering in people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're but very busy when the nights, when the weather's good, we're very busy. When the weather's bad in the winter, it's a little tough. Sure. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, if you're not familiar with it, those of you listening, it is probably about as, if I could use the word bucolic. It is beautiful. As a there. setting mm -hmm. as you yeah. get. Yeah, just uh, the rolling hills and the orchard and yeah. even the, the design of the restaurant yeah. just fits so perfectly and, in there. And, you know, they, they had the same ideas that I've always had. Yeah. I mean, you know, their their overarching goal and their mission has always been support local economy, sustainable agriculture, sustainable land. Yeah. You know, uh, Rege regenerative. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's always been their thing. Yeah. Which fit really well with how I cook anyway. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Now, is there a, a vision to see uh, another location of it open up that would be more accessible, or is that there's. Conversations about building, I mean, I mean, building Wilson's out more. You yeah. know, they they definitely have that in mind. They definitely kind of have this eye towards the future. Yeah. Um, but um, exactly what direction that's going, I'm not 100 sure. We have the smokehouse now up there yeah, at, yeah. The, at the market on the same property, so yeah. we do a lot of a lot of barbecue out of there. And the market itself has really expanded in the past several years. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Iowa. Foods and items and sure. crafts are sold there. Yeah. And then the apples in the fall, pumpkins, they've expanded to uh, sunflowers and berries. Uh, they have an eye towards doing some livestock out there. Possibly there are 
sheep living out there now on the, yeah. on the property. And it obviously it has a, an event space for like weddings and, yep. and things of that nature. A lot but of weddings. You guys put in a little amphitheater in. That's true, they did. It's down, it's kind of up by the market in a little bit of a of a valley up there. So is live music something that- Live music a lot when the weather's common, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they built a little um, like uh, a little podcast and cooking video studio okay. on the property as well. So I do. I mean, as nice as this studio you're in here. I mean, nothing could be as nice. As this no, studio. yeah. I mean, the view. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, really, I mean, the blinds are beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but the uh, um, we do videos up there, so I'll do you know like cooking videos and they do podcasts yeah. related to the hard cider and you know all that stuff happens up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things you mentioned just about the philosophy of the restaurant, it, it supports a lot of local, uh, of the local yes, economy it as it pertains to, mm-hmm. to food growers. Farmer's Hen House being one of those. Love it. Yeah. So shamelessly, I have to ask you about eggs. Yeah, eggs. What, do, what, it, what does an egg, or we could say the plural, what do eggs mean to a sh- or should they mean to a chef? Um, I think... Eggs are one of those things where you could easily skip over the quality. Yeah. You could go, oh, an egg's an egg, right? There, I'm, I'm sure the people would do that, you know. Yeah. The same way you might do with um, olive oil or flour. Sure. Uh, you know, an egg from anywhere will get the job done, basically, right? The same way any flour gets the job done. Yeah. But the difference between commodity or poorly made products and cared for products shows up really well in eggs yeah uh, I mean I don't ever buy eggs from the grocery store right I mean we have I have uh, friends that raise chicken I get their eggs I use your eggs in the restaurant yeah um, and the quality of those eggs the you know the the color the richness we do uh, um, scrambled eggs at uh, brunch obviously mm-hmm. and people are always saying is there butter in the, you know what's in the butter in these eggs or cream like no it's just eggs it's just eggs and olive oil and pan yeah it's just they're so rich they're so delicious uh, so it's the kind of thing where if you pick the right ingredient like I said like flour olive oil you can kind of look better than you are <laughs> because you know like a lot <laughs> of products, ingredients are good yeah. you know you pick the good ingredient and yeah. you don't do much to it right um, but eggs are so versatile I mean you can we we take a t- t- take any dish that you're doing, your steak or whatever, and if you decide to put like a fried egg on top, man, people are gonna it's buy like a, that. It's up. a condiment, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Can we bottle that? You could. You could. Yeah. Just eggs in a bottle. Yeah, that's yeah. it. We um, we often do the eggs. Uh, we do at different uh, temperatures. So you know, we have we'll do them in the shell at different exacting temperatures okay. to get different different textures of egg. Right. And you can look online. There's there's charts and stuff, but you know, it's like between like, uh, I forget, it's like 140 to 146 degrees for X amount of time in the water, yep. in the shell, it ch- change, it just changes the quality, you know, yeah. it goes from a, this, from like a, a, a raw state at 100 and whatever, 40 to 146, it's like fudgy yolk that's kind of changes in flavor yeah um we often do 142.5 and that kind of ends up being like a um like a soft boiled egg yeah which is perfect to break on top of a piece of toast or something yeah get that jam oh yeah i mean uh, i i i i eat eggs every day 
Yeah. I have an egg sandwich in the morning pretty much every day of my life. Nice. I just love an egg sandwich. I've always loved egg sandwich. When you're like 110 and they ask you, you know, what's the yeah. secret? It's like that egg sandwich. Egg, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to think of eggs, and obviously I'm in marketing, so yeah. I kind of have to think of them in creative yeah. ways. But I think, and I'm not the first one to say this, but they're kind of like nature's multivitamin, too. That's true. I mean, obviously they have yeah. cholesterol. There was but, a time when people were like, don't eat eggs. Remember that? I don't know how, oh, yeah. I don't know how old you are, but, yeah. but, but you know, when I was younger, my mom would not let my dad eat eggs for a while. Right, because of cholesterol. Yeah. yeah. But then it seems like now it's like, they're great for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you eat a lot of anything, it's not great for you. Sure. But, but it doesn't seem to be something that people have. Uh, whoever did the whole egg, you know, you know, like the marketing for eggs between like 1990 and now, it really deserves something because it used to be kind of a bad word. Yeah. And it's become. So it was like butter too, right? Yeah, exactly. Butter exactly. had a similar thing. trajectory. Yeah. 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 I think Cool Hand Luke is really to thank for. Oh eggs. yeah. Do, yeah. How many did he eat? Sixty. Fifty, I thought. Is that a real? Did he eat those? Really? He didn't really eat those. No. I I'm not sure I, I ever saw that did. movie. You never saw Cool Hand no, Luke. I never saw a movie. Hey, we're gonna have a movie night, all right? Next ne- next podcast, yeah. we'll just do a live. Let's do egg movie movies, and we'll do like a voiceover. Yeah, we'll do it, director's commentary. It'd be like Mystery Science Theater. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I like it, man. Um, so you're a, you're an egg fan. I am an egg an fan. An egghead, if if we can use that term. Yeah, you can. Okay, thanks. Um, so let me ask you this. I'm an egg super fan. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah. You got like a star next to your name. Yep. Or an egg. I have an egg. Gold egg. Golden egg. You know, I, I one day I was I was thinking about questions for you because you are the egg ex, because you're the expert. Expert, right? yeah. Um, I'm not, but do go you, ahead. Do you know which came first, chicken or the egg? Yeah. How long have you been sitting on that joke? Just some joke. Just, 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 just show. Really, it was just something this this morning. I thought, do you talk about that? I mean, do you have a, yeah, most, do you have an idea about that? Most water cooler conversations are just us continuing to go back to cool. this debate. Yeah, right. Yeah. And because really, if you think about it, in reality, it yeah. had to be the chicken. You think so? Well, it had to be the organism that made the egg. Yeah. Right? I mean, you would think, right? If, if it's like lightning or... I mean, like however life started on Earth... If it was like lightning or something hitting some kind of carbon molecule, or whatever, yeah. then that would have been an organism, right? Yeah. And, and the first bunch of them just died because they didn't know how to reproduce. I guess here's the thing, though, is what what gives birth, right? To I mean, from an evolutionary perspective, what gives birth to a creature? So a creature comes from something, right? And so. I mean, look, I'm not an evolutionary biologist. I, I don't know if you can tell that. I mean, I am wearing this, you know, yeah. nice cardigan sweater. <laughs> but, um, but I think that it seems, just from my own very limited uh, point of view, that you would need a, a start, like, right. like a bud, right? Like a bud brings a flower. What, what came first, the bud or the flower? I don't think it's comparable. No? No. Okay. I, all I'm saying is I bet that life, that if life started with a spark of something mm-hmm. on Earth, yeah, I mean, if we dismiss the idea of life coming from a different planet, right, which is also possible, but if life started on Earth with a spark of something, that wouldn't have been <clears throat> an egg, uh, you know, in quotes, right? That wouldn't have been a embryonic thing. It would have been a organism, right? It would have been an organism. It wouldn't sure. have, because 
the beginning part of the egg and the organism would have had to come from its. But we're talking. We're talking about last generation. But we're talking about a particular species in a chicken, or in birds, and mm. then in a subspecies <clears throat> in a chicken. Yeah. So, if we talk about all life in general, then I think yeah, we get it gets a little more uh, complicated. But I feel I think if we just talk about you know that moment that chicken happened, obviously from an evolutionary perspective, you're talking about how, oh, many, how many years. You're not talking about. I'm talking about a just the actual quote unquote chicken. Specifically, that we call. a chicken. Oh, what came first, the egg. chicken or the egg? Yeah. Egg. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, exactly. But I was going back farther. Oh, man. You, you know? Yeah. I was going You're back, going back to, to crusta crustacean what? period. Is that is what that it would it? be? I don't know. No. Maybe. It, I think it would be, yeah. It would I got to go back and watch Jurassic Park now. It would be like eight, 8 billion years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was. So, final answer the egg. Finally, yeah, yes. Yeah, and so you agree now. I do. So I, I made you a convert. You said chicken first. Well, we changed the rules of the conversation. Okay. I was talking about life on Earth. Yeah, you're talking. You're talking about the proverbial. You're talking about the proverbial chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. really chicken. Okay. Because that chicken would have chicken. come from something. Yeah. Sure. And it would have come from an organism that was sparked on Earth. Sure. Is this what most of your podcasts are? Talk. Is this what? How they go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we talk we, about this. We, you know, we had time. Stephen Hawking on here right yep. before he passed, yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, you know, when Bill Gates decided sure. to stop by, sure. So that sounds good. Yeah, man. So you're, you're you're in good company. Eggs and chickens. Yeah. yeah. What would the world look like without eggs? What do you think? Hmm. Without chicken eggs or without eggs? Because well, we beer remember eggs, right? What about chicken? What about chicken eggs? Chicken eggs. Yeah. I think you'd be eating more duck eggs. And you'd be eating more quail eggs, probably more duck eggs. Man, but they don't—they don't. I don't. I don't think they lay as frequently as I'm, chickens. I don't know if they do or not. Pretty infrequently. I, we. I don't love a duck egg. Yeah. A little too rich for. How me. many exotic eggs have you had? Hmm. Quail eggs for sure. Duck eggs for sure. Great. Quail eggs, phenomenal on tartare. Sure. Yeah, sure. love it. One yeah. of my favorite things. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Duck, chicken, quail. What else is? I mean, emu eggs. Pheasant. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, every bird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I first came here, I thought I was coming up with a great idea of like, hey, man, what if we did emu eggs? What do you mean, did them? Well, you know, produced them. Like you'd have to, like, like you have, have to get emu some emus and yeah, have some emu eggs. I bet that went over well. No, no, it didn't no, not at all. Um, but it was a fun thought. I I've never had an emu egg. I've I've only ever had quail eggs. I've never even had duck eggs. There's really? turkey eggs too, obviously. Turkey eggs, yeah. Yeah. Do you do you guys have like a place where you eat eggs here? Like do people eat eggs at work? Um, at farmers center. Yeah, hard boiled eggs. Yeah. 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 We don't have a proper kitchen, so we you you don't can't really scramble eggs. You don't have like a kitchen for the staff to try the eggs. No, huh. we, we don't do egg egg tastings, huh. if you will. But you know, it might be a nice. I nice would, idea. I would think it'd be good. You yeah. Know, because then the, because then the people who work here would become invested in how delicious the eggs were. That's true. They are delicious. I mean, we get to take home eggs and we yeah. get to cook them at home for free. Uh, if you work here, yeah, yeah there's huh. some egg perks. Huh. Yeah. It's not just on the sly. Are you looking for a job or what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Suddenly. Yeah. No. I'm not. I'm not. No. Yeah. There's one of the perks working here is yeah, yeah. You get you get the eggs to take home. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like I have a lot of questions for you about the egg situation, but then I feel like I'm interviewing you. I know I don't want to bother you with that, but yeah. Well, and I'd be uh, concerned that I won't be able to answer all your, all your questions if you have. How expert. many eggs do you guys make a day? How many do you make a day? Well, how many eggs are laid a day? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. There's no eggs laid in this facility, so we contract with local farmers. Oh, that's right. Right. 
So, so, that, right? so and I can give you a, a tour. And, uh, I mean, there's a farmer just right down the street yeah. here. And so our farmers, they own the birds. Right. They're their eggs. Yeah. And they sell them to us. Right. And then we process them and package them and, you know, then send them to retail. Um, how, so How do they stay consistent? How is there we, a way? I mean, is it hard for the eggs to stay consistent then if different farmers are? No, I mean, I mean, you get a, a you know, chicken lays an egg like every you know twenty three hours or so. Really? Yeah. That many times? Yeah. So every day you got new eggs waiting there for you. So if, like, let's say we have, we have fifty farms, about fifty. So we have most of our farms are in Kelowna. And you, you know, Kelowna in a six mile radius. Uh-huh has more fa- more certified organic farms than anywhere else in the world. No way. Yes way. Really? Yes. That's a fact you should put on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah we'll give you 10% of okay. whatever we sell. That's fine. Um, and so uh, if you, you know, drive around, you'll yeah. see a lot of chicken barns. And those barns will have anywhere from, let's say, 5,000 hens in them to maybe upwards of, uh, you know, eight to 10,000. Wow. That might seem like a lot of hens. It does. But when you go and you, you have a huge, you know, pasture and, and you got a big barn, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like that much. Um, but you figure then with 5,000 hens, yeah. you get 5,000 eggs a day. Yeah. And so, you know, then we're picking, we're, you know, they might, the most of our, or all of our barns have uh, refrigeration units, yeah. right? So they can store the eggs for maybe a day or two if mm-hmm. we're not there to pick them up on the day that mm-hmm. they're delivered, obviously. Because they have to gather them. Yeah, yeah. And some some guys, some of our farmers actually gather them and, by hand. And women. Yeah. Guys and women. Yes, that's yeah. right. Thank you. Yeah. So, so and a lot of uh, a lot of our farmers, you know, having a, a, a barn is really a family uh, effort. Obviously, farming is a family yeah. effort in general. Sure. But it, it, because it's not necessarily dangerous work, right, right? Uh, all f- members of the family can really participate. It could be dangerous, though. Tell me. Well, let's say an egg falls off the thing and on the ground, mm-hmm. and then you step on it and you yeah. kind of smash it, and then it sits there and kind of hardens a little bit. Yeah. And then someone walks through it behind egg it and slick. slips right on there. An egg slick. Yeah. Yeah. You know what my mm. least favorite thing in the kitchen is in a, a restaurant kitchen? Banana peels. Is when you randomly go into the walk-in. Yeah. And someone has dropped an egg on the floor by the egg stack and just left it. Left and it and it's like ice. And it's just and left it there. Yeah. Like why the hell wouldn't you just clean up your own egg? Yeah. And then no one owns up to it. Do you want to? Call anyone out right now? I want to call them all out. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to be all inclusive here. Everyone's being called out. You know, out. during our busy brunch season, we go through a lot of eggs. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I mean, you know, from you guys, I get like a case a week, maybe from our local farmer. Yeah. But <clears throat> probably, I'm buying at the height of brunch season. I'm probably buying five cases from you guys a week. Yeah. Which is what are there thirty dozen in a case? Um, boxes. Yeah, and th- yeah. I think it's thirty dozen. Because each tray has thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's of a eggs. lot of eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. The world without chicken eggs would look a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, you'd be a lot more work to get ducks, particularly because ducks right. are probably the closest thing. What if it was just like platypus eggs were the only eggs that you could get? Yeah, man. I've never had one. Have you? You wouldn't have a lot of brunch business. Yeah. Because penguins couldn't do it. Well, do they lay... I don't... Does a platypus so. lay a unfertilized egg? I think platypus is the only mammal that lays eggs. Well, I know they lay them. But, like, is that how the... So, here's the thing. Like, snakes... 
yeah. legs. Well, they have, that's how they, you know, some of them. Some yeah. have live birth, I guess. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, but some lay eggs. Yeah. Alligators lay eggs. Yep. But they don't just lay eggs every day, right? Right. Un unfertilized no, eggs. You're right. you're right. That's true. And so I'll, I'm curious if the platypus would just lay an egg, an unfertilized egg, like a chicken. Why do chickens lay unfertilized eggs every day? Man, that is a, that. See, that's the deeper philosophical evolutionary question. I'm sure there's an easy answer for it, but it's just. I'm sure someone within 20 feet of us knows that answer. Yeah, I'm sure that somebody yeah. does. I, I'm just the marketing guy, man. I'm not yeah. the, I'm not the <laughs> right. expert. I'm just the marketing sorry, guy. Sorry. Man. I'm just trying to help uh, Brandon sell them. I didn't make you feel bad about that. No, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, you made me, you know, just feel bad by being here because you're, mm. you know, Thank you. local Iowa chef can we celebrity. Can talk but, a little bit about the Spig thing? You want to talk about it? I really liked yeah, that event. We can talk about it. That was a lovely event. Yeah. So, what Matt's referring to is uh, we have gathered a group of uh, companies who are from Iowa but produce a specialty food or beverage product. So these are companies like Farmers Henhouse, companies like uh, Kelowna Supernatural, if you've heard of them, La Quercia, uh, uh, who else? Cedar Ridge, Lola's Fine Hot Sauce, Great River Maple, Wilson's. Maytag Blue Cheese. Yep, and Wilson's. Uh, yeah, Maytag and Blue Wilson's, Cheese, Milton Creamery. I'm always nervous of leaving something out. Verena Street Coffee is also a part of it. Um, Supernatural. Um, yeah, I said Supernatural. You said that. Yeah. So anyway, it's a way to get Cedar Ridge. Yep, said Cedar Bourbon. Ridge. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you said that. Yeah, I said these things, man. I should be you just never listen to me. That's well. right. Um, but it's just a, what we want to do is get like-minded companies together who are showcasing uh, not only a great product but also too showcasing in part the state of Iowa. Um, and we did an event at Cedar Ridge Distillery, was that two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Where we, uh, yeah, where Matt three weeks ago. Uh, generously catered it using all the different companies' products. Uh, and then also Cedar Ridge, uh, they were bartending and they cocktails. also utilized the ingredients for cocktails. So yeah. we had, so yeah, we had things, tell, tell them what they had. I, I can't remember the whole the, menu, but some oh, some examples yeah, you know, of, of used, collaboration uh, in a meal. We used some of the uh, salamis and cheeses to stuff uh, uh, peppers. I one of my when Brett first reached out to me about this, one of my goals was to try to use local vegetables for it as well because it was kind of the height of the season when we started talking about it. So we had little eggplants that were roasted and stuffed with make bag blue cheese and wrapped with liquorice prosciutto. Um, we had uh, roasted local uh, chilies uh, stuffed with um, salami from La Quercia. Um, we had focaccia that we made. Do that, do? that, did you say the hard boiled egg? Oh, yeah. We had. I think it was mine. Yeah, we had a uh, egg from, I forget where we got the eggs. Maybe we got them from. Probably one of our, compet one of our competitors. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. Uh, we, had, uh, <laughs> we had the farmer's hen house eggs uh, turned into the deviled eggs with um, pimento cheese, I think. Oh, yeah, that yeah. pimento cheese, yeah. man. That was money. There's a number of things. You know, it's amazing how when you get old, you just forget what happened three weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I really have a horrible memory. Yeah, I don't even remember what happened there last night. I, uh, I think really I, I think it was eggs. Eggs, it was yeah, eggs, yeah. yeah. It, had, eggs, it had eggs with it. It had definitely had eggs in it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I really like the Spig thing. I think it's I think it's a great idea. Yeah, really and just real quick, Spig stands for Specialty Products of Iowa Group. So right. that's the working name. It could change at some point, yeah. but that's what we're calling it now. Is that why you called it Spig? Did Did you call it Specialty Products of Iowa Group? Did you add the G so you could have the word Spig as your anagram? I did, because yeah. I thought 
uh, spy or spee would yeah. like really work. Right. Um, and I, I'm not even sure Spig does, but I like the idea, you know, because Iowa's identity is kind of wrapped yeah. up in a pig. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and so, yeah, this idea of Spig. Yeah. Um, but that, that, and that's what we're calling it now. And so the hope with Spig, and there's a website if you're interested, www. You don't, you don't, you don't even need the W's. I'm people, sorry. People say that. I don't, I don't know. People don't say that anymore. You know what? It's a generational thing. I grew up with AOL. Right. Okay. I, I had I lived a life before the internet, if you believe it or not, by uh -huh. looking at me. Uh huh. Uh, and so AOL, you always use the WW. W. That's a three. I can't. You don't have to type it. No, you don't. All I'm saying is that's why I use that. Is I think it's a generational thing of being at the advent of the internet. Yeah. When you used to use oh, what is it? What's the website? Oh, it's www. <laughs> yeah. We were at we were in uh, uh, this is a little tangent. We were in um, Wakan, Iowa. Which is up by Decora okay. for Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we were driving through Recon, and there was a there was a restaurant or something, and the name of the restaurant was called Iron Horse or something. Yeah, and they had a, a fully made iron sign on the front of the building. Yeah, that said www.ironhorse.com. <laughs> like it was yeah. two foot high letters. Like, yeah, why, why, did you really? That's I mean, a good how investment. How, how much did you pay for that extra three W's? Yeah. Like, you know, is someone gonna not find you if it's not there? Right. Right. Anyway. Yeah, man. No, you're anyway. right. You're right. Spig.com. So, yeah, Spig Iowa. SpigIowa.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, so check it out. The company's there, but we're hoping that through this kind of catalytic event that we that we started with that more would come from it either collaboration on a on an event level product developments we're gonna we're doing a spig giveaway mm -hmm. coming up mm -hmm. for the holidays um so some things that we're hoping will continue to uh, build upon and transpire mm -hmm. and help help you know just bring attention to these companies but also to the great state of iowa yeah yeah so and matt is a is our chef de cuisine our spig chef de cuisine. Uh, sure. Did I say it right? You sounded great. Okay, yep. thanks, man. I, I, you know, I spent some time in France. You did? A, a day. Really? No, I, 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 I spent... A day. A, a, yeah, mostly a day. I went. I lived in Germany for a summer. Okay. Real quick. Where in, where in, where in Germany? I was, uh, well, near Wiesbaden, mm -hmm. um, which is on the Rhine. Mm -hmm. And so I went to travel. I was in college, and I would travel on the weekends to various places. Mm -hmm. And so I went to, I took the night train on a Friday night to Paris, mm. or Paris. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I uh, I showed up with no map, yeah. no French, That's no it. idea what I was going to do. Yeah. Just my, my camera. And then I found uh, two, you know, cute girls. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I might be a creep for a minute and yep. just see where, see if they go to the Eiffel Tower. Right? Yeah, sure. And so then finally I, I realized, like, these guys might be going the opposite direction. And so I just went up to them and said, English, and they say we, oui. and uh, and they and I said I'm not from here, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, can yeah. you just point me in the direction of like everything I want to see, you know, right. Eiffel Tower, eggs. Arch de Triomphe, yeah, e e yeah the all, all the Fabergé eggs. Yeah. Um, and so they said, well, why don't you just come with us because we're gonna tour it because I live in Paris and my friend is visiting. That's awesome. And so I had uh, tour guides for the day, but I had the night to get back to work across the border. Uh, back in Germany, so I had to take the night train again to get back so I was only in Paris for a day but my wife and I did go to Ancy, uh actually a couple of years ago for our anniversary our 10, our 10 year anniversary how did we get on the Paris thing? 
Oh man, that's a great question. See, I think it was the chicken first, right? And then the then forgot. the egg and then Paris. You even forgot how we, we start talking about your trip to Paris. Uh, oh, oh, I said chef de cuisine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is French, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Is. So anyway, Matt is our we'll, we'll say Matt is the big chef. So any other chefs wait, out wait, there that are hoping wait, to be wait, the big wait, chef? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that, no, too soon. Going that, forward, that put, I'm put, the official yeah, spig put, chef. Yeah. The, we'll, we'll, get a you a, we'll get you a jersey. I need some money for what that. What number do you want on the back of your jersey? 24. 24, okay. We'll get you a, yeah. And it'll or, say Spig All-Star. I'd rather have 10 for Pele. Because that oh, was really? my number playing soccer when I was a kid. 10. Yeah, yeah. Pele. You still play? No. Yeah. God, no. Who, who are you following now? In, in soccer? soccer? Yeah. Yeah, no one. Nobody? I don't, I don't, I don't really follow any After sports. Pele retired, you were done? That was it. Yeah. I was like 10 when he retired, so I was like, that's it, I'm done. So, uh, another tangent. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it'd be interesting if I decide to include any of this, you know, on the podcast. I might just scrap this whole thing. Scrap I probably have thing. to now, yeah. But I, I, we got back in. I got back into soccer. I used to play growing up. I got back into it because my one of my sons started playing it as a video game, FIFA, on the How Switch. How many kids you have? I have four. I didn't know that. Four boys, man. I had no idea. All from the ages like of one, ten two. to three months. Wow. Yeah. They're busy. Anyway, yeah. so you got so the FIFA video so game. So yeah, the FIFA video game, but that but that is what got kind of us as a family into soccer. Mm. But you know what I realized is growing up I had a Sega Genesis mm. and I had a phase I was really into hockey. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out why that was. I grew up in Iowa. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of hockey opportunities. Some. Uh, but it was because of this NHL Live ninety five hockey yeah. game that got I, me into I didn't hockey. have a video game. I, I never played video games. You said you're better than me? Yes. Yeah, no, I, I My experience with video games is being 14 years old at the 7-Eleven and playing Donkey Kong or Centipede or yeah. Defender for a quarter. Yeah. And sneaking out of the house in the middle of the night. Yeah. Mom, mom and dad not knowing it, of course. Yeah. Sneaking out of the house in the middle of the night, going down with my buddies, meeting someone, buying a pack of cigarettes and going to play video games at the at the... At the fast fair, yeah, which I guess is like a Casey's now, right? Do you do you own any arcade games? Do I own any arcade games? No, I have a smartphone which has That's an games infinite on. number of arcade. If games you were going to own like. an actual arcade, what would it be? An arcade game? Yeah, like from your past. <clears throat> from my past, I think it would have to be Defender. Yeah, I really like Defender. Do you, do you even know what that is? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it's just like a spaceship. It's going like kind of what's it? What's the other one? Galaga. Galaga was a different kind of a similar one. No, no. Defender was like it was like you're watching it from the side, and your spaceship goes over kind of like a terrain. Okay. And you're trying to shoot stuff. That's Galaga is you. you know shooting from Galaga front is of you, like up vertical. and down and vertically. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I I do remember being a kid, and there was a Woolworths. Do you know what Woolworths is? Uh, no. It was like a five and dime store. Okay. Like a, like a variety store. Like Roses, you remember Roses? No, there wasn't Roses. No. Um, Woolworths was like a little department store. Yeah, I feel like I've heard the name of it, yeah. Yeah, there was like a little pet department of it. There was a clothing department. It was tiny, right? Yeah. And they had an arcade in one corner. It was in the mall, where I grew up in the mall. And me and my friend Ed would go up there and we'd play hours of video games in in the Woolworths. My dad would leave quarters on his desk for me, like whatever he had change, he would just say, you can have whatever change on my desk. Yeah. And it'd be like 20 quarters. I'm like, I'm sure you didn't just get that change. I'm yeah. sure you just put that through. He was hooking, hooking yeah. it up. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, but And then we'd always have an egg. 
we'd always eat an egg. Yeah, after the end? After after, after school, we'd get home and we'd make egg sandwiches. Farmer's in house eggs? In North Carolina, I don't think so. No, probably not. Just from the Winn-Dixie. Yeah, although we I, we are in North Carolina. Are now. you really? Yeah. Farmer's Hen House Eggs go to North Carolina? So Farmer's Hen House Eggs go all over the country right now. And uh, a big part of that is because of, well, a lot of co-ops uh, bring our eggs. I mean, we have dis- distribution throughout, and so a lot of co-ops will see our eggs on the list, and they'll, they'll bring our eggs yeah. in. Uh, but then, two, uh, natural grocers and mm-hmm. sprouts, yeah, sprout. which, are both, sprouts, which yeah. are both national, yep. um, were in, in all their stores. Mm, really? Yeah. So, they've, so as a result. I had no idea yeah. you were outside of just the Midwest. Yeah. That's so, amazing. I mean... And our, all our farms are, you know, here locally. Yeah. But because, like, we, we have 50 farms, right? 50. Yeah. Um, we're able to produce, you know, a lot of eggs a day. And we have, you know, you'll see the, if you get the tour here, the, the washer and how many eggs we can move through mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, it wants, so, you know, Farmer's Hen House is, is not, you know, a, uh, let's say, a, a producer of eggs, right? Right. It's a distributor. It's a distributor, right? Yeah. And, and and whereas the farmers, uh, which we can go out and see, are the ones producing the eggs, yeah. right? And so, and that, but that's a, that was the vision behind Farmers Hen House. That was the vision behind Farmers Creamery, which is now Kelowna mm-hmm. Supernatural. Was one Amish farmer, Eldon T. Miller, saw that his farmers were particularly producing organic products mm-hmm. before even like certified organic right. existed, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so he started first this group called the Organic Growers Group which is just to help Amish farmers and Mennonite farmers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. navigate what it meant to become certified right. organic, Yeah. right? And so uh, so he started helping them do that with a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And then suddenly all these guys got certified and said, well, hey, let's you know start uh, a company to help get our eggs to retail, or you know, let's start a company to help get our milk to retail. And that's what he did. But as an Amish farmer, he could only you know, take that company to a certain extent, right? Right. He had limitations. Yeah. Uh, and so in uh, in 2000, he sold the company to Mark Miller, who you met earlier. Oh, and, yeah. And, and then sure. Mark's son, Ryan, who I don't know if you met, I think you might have maybe yeah, met the at the Spig Fest, yeah. Um, but then uh, Mark uh, and Ryan now together co-own it and operate it. So, so um, the whole idea of the of the of the conglomerate is not really the word, but the yeah. you know the, the group the of group. farms. Yeah. That you know that's that's something that I wasn't too aware of until um, a while ago when like when I first moved out here and I started being aware of um, um, uh, Nyman Ranch. Oh yeah. Meats, right? Yeah. And so they, I don't know what their model is now, but their model originally was, will help you. 30 farmers around Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Missouri to get, if you raise your, your pigs the way we want you to raise your pigs and your kinds of pigs, then we'll distribute your meat throughout, Yeah, you know, as a, as a specialty product. Right. And it was hugely successful, obviously. Oh, yeah. I just, I wonder what the history of that is in terms of agriculture. You know, if, if there was, you know, because now so much big ag is like owned by, you know, Walmart or someone. Sure, but, yeah. But... I wonder when that, I mean, I, I guess from time immemorial, there was someone in a small town who helped get the farmers in that town organized to sell their meat to the next town over. Right. But it's a good model. Sure, it's sustainable. It's a real good model for a small farm that 
wants to be part of a good thing, yeah. but doesn't necessarily have the um, the logistics or the infrastructure to sell their own eggs or right. meat or whatever. Right. So I mean, it must really be a lifeline for some of these farms out here. Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, and again, I, I, you know, I learned a lot since coming here, but um, I mean, a lot of farmers who were, I would say, uh, maybe newer farmers, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they might, and they're from the area, maybe they're farming pigs or cattle, mm-hmm. um, but they always had to have a second hustle, right? right. They had to have a second job yep. to yep. make it sustainable <clears throat> because of just the nature of pig farming, right? Yep. But then when they built a chicken house uh, and started uh, producing eggs, it was a game changer for them, yeah. right? Uh, because it's something too you can rely on it's consistent yeah. it's every single day yeah uh you know when you have a big field that the birds obviously you know sometimes birds you know uh might be vulnerable to hawks or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. but for the most part your your birds aren't susceptible to um disease mm-hmm. or you know illness uh they're they're really easy to manage mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um and so that provides just a really sustainable source of income is there ever a point when the pharmacy house has to say no? We can't take any, any eggs today. Does that happen, or do you just take all the eggs every day? Uh, no, we take all the eggs. Yeah. So and then there's contracts. Yeah. Every oh, every every farmer has a contract a with farmer's hen house with how many birds they're going to have. I see. Yeah, and yeah. and so that's that's all squared away in that. So they, so the number of birds that a farm has is based upon that contract, right? right? And their barns are you know scaled to how many birds are going to have their fields are scaled to how many birds are going to have the eggs themselves um when i go to hy-vee and buy eggs yeah if i'm buying eggs for home or something if i don't have my local friend's eggs um i feel like there's i'm just going to make a guess i feel like there's six different kinds of farmer's henhouse eggs yeah is that uh, is that right there's six yeah well so that's a good question i mean i guess it depends on how many packagings right so you got 18 packs you got six packs all the same kind of egg. I just mean like when I go to but get what a dozen see, eggs, yeah. I see farmer's hen house and a slightly different design, yeah. and different name on, on six or seven different boxes. Yeah. You know, this is organic. This is add add the fish oil or whatever. The, you know. The, yeah. What what are the different? So so we have five, uh, five. main ones that you might see like in High V, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, so you know what they're called. Pas- yeah, I do actually. Now you mention it. So we got we got organic organic pasteurized eggs. Uh, we have organic free range eggs. So the difference between well, the difference is the amount of space that the birds get outside. So in a pasture raised farm, birds get uh, they get eight square feet. No, that's wrong. They get a hundred and eight square feet per hen outside. 10 by 10? 108 square feet wow, per, bend, per bird outside. That's a good amount of land. Yeah. And then uh, free range, get two square feet. Two square feet, okay. Outside. Yeah. That's that's, outside. That, that, that's the minimum requirement. Yeah. 108 is the minimum requirement for pasture Right. Two square feet is the minimum, minimum for free range. Um, and then we have our non-organic free range, which yeah. is our green label. So mm-hmm. the orange label is the organic free range. Okay. And then the the kind of bright green with the animated that's the one bird. I buy. yeah that's pasture raised. Then there's the uh, just regular free range, which is the green label. Yep. Uh, and then we have white cage free on in some stores. Mm-hmm. So these are birds that don't uh, aren't guaranteed outside access, mm-hmm. but they're not in, they're not in cages, not in cages right? Yeah, and right. and it's a white egg, right. right? People tend to want brown eggs over white Do, eggs. Is it something where each farm? 
is designated one of those things. Yeah. So all the eggs from that farm are designated organic or pasteurized or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, and you'll see, like, I mean, I can show you pictures, and, and uh, I mean, I can take you there if you want, but even a free-range farm, it's a minimum of two square feet. But right. if you see some of uh, these pastures for free-range, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're huge. They're yeah. enormous. They're acres, right? Yeah. Um, so it could be more like 15 square feet or right. 20 square feet. It's just there's a two-square-foot minimum to, to be considered free-range, yeah. right? And so, you know, there's a lot of terms. Like, people yeah. can just make up terms. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot sure. of terms that aren't regulated. Right. And, and people have to submit themselves. Like right. People have to submit themselves to regulation uh, and, you know, f to do it. But mm -hmm. people don't have to. And mm -hmm. people can call their eggs wherever they want. Yeah. Field, field free yeah. or like yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so those things are regulated. Um, so we've, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that I've been encouraged by, uh, and, and a lot of other companies do this too, but there's just a lot of integrity to like actually making sure we are what we say we are, right? right. Because there was a, a time in history, I, I remember, I think it was, even I remember this outside of working for Farmer's Hen House, I think it was like mid-90s, mm. and you saw this with olive oil too, like people were like faking oh, yeah. the terms, right? For sure. And people said, oh, this is cage-free. Yeah. In fact, they're in cages, they're organic, and yeah. it wasn't organic, yeah. right? Um, happens with olive oil. Olive oil, yeah. That's insane. Still I mean, I guess it makes, I mean, part of it makes sense that, you know, if it's easy to do, then people are gonna do it, but, um, but anyway, I think that's the, the thing, because like, you know, I, have, I know most all of our farmers because I go and take mm -hmm. pictures mm -hmm. of their mm -hmm. barns and their fields and their hens. Um, and uh, I mean, they're, I mean they're, they are legitimately caring for the hens. Yeah. Like this is a part, this is a lifestyle sure. for them. It's sure. not just a means by which they can live. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is that in part, yeah. but it's not the whole of it by any yeah. means. Yeah. So, which and I think too is just a, a really um, encouraging thing to see in any, Part of agriculture, mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah. Um, and it, obviously, it's easy to probably get persuaded to just do it to you know make a bigger margin. Yeah. Um, but I think when people see too, like especially in this community, man, mm -hmm. the community is so interconnected, mm -hmm. right? And even the land, like you inherit most of our farmers, mm -hmm. if not all of our farmers, are passing their land down to their children. There's there's generational farm. All of our farms are generational farms, right, yeah. and that's the history of this place. When the, you know when the Amish came and settled here, the Mennonites came and settled here, like they couldn't imagine a life without farming, mm -hmm. and even to this day they still can't. Right. And so if they're going to put a bunch of pesticides, you know, in the ground, yeah. well, guess what? That's going to take a toll on right. the generation that's yeah. to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there there just is a real authentic stewardship they're of also, the land. There there also can we say. There are people who are not afraid of hard work. No. And organic farming is hard work. Oh my goodness, yeah. 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 So, um, but and but the good news is, you know, for not just chicken farmers, but for also for those who raise dairy cows too, mm -hmm. these businesses provide a means mm -hmm. by which that hard work mm -hmm. can be incredibly rewarding, not just from a sense of accomplishment, but to to provide for your right. families, right? Yeah. And 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 the that's the main population in Kelowna. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the main population is these farmers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What is Kelowna? Is it a is it a township? Is it a, like, what, what is Kelowna? Yeah. Itself? Is it a town? So have you heard of Brigadoon? The, the play? Yeah. 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 So that's pretty much what it is. You can enter in at certain times. There's a cherubim <laughs> that kind of swings. No, but I mean, no. I mean, Kelowna, what do you, yeah, it's a city. It's a city. Yeah. So if you go down Where's south. Where's the center of the city? Yeah, just down south. So this is technically called Frytown. 
It has a Kelowna oh, okay. address, but it's called Frytown. I see. Um, and so that's if you go uh, west east, you'll uh -huh. hit the um, the Farmers Creamery. Okay. Uh, and it's right off Highway One. But if you take Highway One mm -hmm. ten minutes down, right, then you'll hit uh, downtown Kelowna. Because it's uh, we're out there. Yeah. For some reason, I I always felt like Kelowna was closer to. Iowa City. Iowa City. Yeah. It's, it's pretty far out. Yeah, it's about 25 minute drive. That's, that's kind of nice. Yeah. It's out here. Well, and, you know, Kelowna has, you know, Kelowna Brewery. If you yeah. had Kelowna yep. beer, yep. they got uh, the YMCA. They got oh, they Kelowna chocolates. Really? I mean, they got. It's a town. Um, yeah, it's a, it's got, a, got a proper downtown, gotcha. you know, yeah. feel to it. Not like a high buildings or anything like that, but just, you know, a quaint little strip. Yeah. Kind of like Mount Vernon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but one of my favorite things about Kelowna, and they, I don't think they've done it for a couple of years now because of COVID, but they used to do an exotic animal auction. Hmm. And they would do these about twice a year, and they would have, uh, you know, just animals that they would auction off from uh, yaks <laughs> to camels, okay. flying squirrels, What's the origin of that peacocks. Event? I don't know, man. Somebody told me there's a camel dairy down in Washington. I don't know if he's pulling my leg or not, but he said there's a camel dairy, which I, I've read about and I guess they were pretty popular in the Middle East which makes sense um, but uh, but I think too it's just uh, I don't kind of have exotic animals as pets where's the camel milk going I don't know this is, is a, I, I dude I don't even believe this guy yeah, now I'm, that I think I about think it a camel dairy. I mean, he told me there's a camel dairy because I was like I can't why are they why are they auction off camels and here's the other thing there's a church that does a live nativity uh, set mm -hmm. So I think I know there's a camel that's using that. So maybe that was yeah. What the I mean, was but for. you see that you see that once in a while. Yeah. What is the? They still do this auction? This. I don't. Auction? I haven't seen it listed for a while. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple of years. But you pay five bucks. Get a hold of me if you see it. Oh, I, I want to go. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Myself a flying squirrel. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's a it's a my wife's very unique family experience. Used to have a flying squirrel. Really? Yeah. Okay. She tells me that. What's the name of it? I don't know. Yeah. Squirrelly. Yeah. But uh, I think when she was a kid, they had a flying squirrel. Yeah. To some extent, that was their "quote unquote" pet. There's a guy <coughs> at Colon you've been in Kelowna Fall Days. I just told you I don't even know what Kelowna yeah, is. You're right. So they do a fall fest, and uh, the best pretzel you'll ever have. Best pretzel. And you ever been in Counter Cafe in Iowa City? Counter Cafe. Encounter. Nope. So it's a Mennonite run, run uh, bakery. Great eggs, farmers and house eggs. Serve there. Check out Encounter Cafe. Where is it? Best pretzel you ever have. Um, oh man, it's uh, in in Iowa City itself. Man, I'm terrible with streets. Like downtown. Yeah, it's it's off downtown. It's Maybe well, you know where the from. mill was. Yep. So if, let's say you walk south uh, on Dubuque. Why do Midwesterners use that term? Why do Why do people in the Midwest always go south, north, east, west? Can't you just go make a left? Yeah. Towards that, I, I, I think because I grew up on the East Coast, I don't think of directional, of the cardinal directional thing as a way to know what, what direction to go. So, you, you, what you're saying is that you you're too elite being from the East Coast that you don't even need cardinal directions. That's right. Yeah. Us no, flyover just, states. No, I, people here always go like, go west. I'm yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Just can you point? I don't know what that means. Well, if okay, so if you're walk, let's say you're where the mill is, mm -hmm. and walking, you, and you want to walk towards uh, the, is that Burlington? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's off Burlington. Okay, and you want to walk towards Big Grove downtown or Big Grove uh, Brewery in Iowa City. Okay, that would be going Down south. Down the hill, kind that's of. going south. Yeah. Okay, 
Um, so it's right there. It's by the parking ramp. Man, I'm trying to think of. Oh, I think there's a city building right across the street from it, like a big city building. But it's a Mennonite bakery. Yeah, so it's oh, a, Men a Mennonite bakery, and they make the best pretzels. But the fall fest, they make pretzels, um, and. You know, I work at a school, yeah. and our school is catered by a Mennonite church. Our school's Thanksgiving was catered by a Mennonite church nice. for the kids, and it was insane. I bet. And we did, we'll invite you to the next one. We do, uh, uh, we, or we did our inaugural um, day at the farm where we invited people to come tour the plant, mm. tour the farms, nice. and then have a Amish-cooked meal. It's wonderful. Uh, and so it's just, it's some of the most decadent, delicious food. Yeah. I mean, it might not okay. be necessarily good for you. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's, it's so If it's good, got man. the Farmer's Channel's eggs in it, it is good it for is, you. It is, that's right. But, yeah, Encounter Cafe, but Fall Fest in Kelowna, they do this apple fritter, too, that is, I mean, no offense to Wilson's. Yeah, I mean, you can't but, start talking to me about apple fritters. Yeah, I think we could have an apple fritter apple off between to... Wilson's and between... A fritter uh, off? Yeah, fritter <laughs> off these okay. guys, because, man, it's amazing. So... Yeah. But uh, we've been talking for an hour and we have? 10 minutes almost. And I imagine, I, you know what? If you have listened to this whole podcast through, let me know. And Email me at bread at farmershenhouse.com. <laughs> and this. I want to ask you a couple questions to make sure you've listened to it all the way through. And if you have, I'll send you two weeks worth of eggs. And if you're, if you have coupons for two weeks worth of eggs, yeah. And you're not related to either Brett or I. That is amazing. That's true. Yeah. That, that is. Yeah, we'll be. Anybody, we'll, we'll send you three coupons for Farmers Henhouse eggs. <laughs> my yeah. wife and your wife probably. <laughs> I don't think my wife's gonna make it. No, she, no, I won't either. Yeah, but hey, it was, it was a good time well spent. So you heard a few nuggets of information today. One, the chicken did not come first. It was the egg. Mm. Yeah. So we agreed on that. Uh, no. We agreed on it based on your parameters. Okay. All right. Ba uh, let me, yeah, qualify. Based upon my parameters, we agreed on it. Uh, obviously, you heard Matt's story. Uh, yeah, and you got some awards, too. We didn't mention James Beard nominations, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a few years there when I got the, when I got James Beard. Midwest? Uh, Midwest semifinalist or oh. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So you learned, essentially, you just learned about how cool and accomplished Matt Steigerwald is. Mm -hmm. uh, you learned about, uh, about Rapid Creek Cidery and mm -hmm. Wilson's, how you need to go there. Yeah. Uh, get a reservation if it's on a weekend. Um, and make the trip, particularly when the weather's bad. That's that's when Matt really wants to see you there, right? Yeah. If there's a foot and a half of snow, that's the time to come. That's the time to come, yeah. You'll get, you'll yeah, he might even come out and ask how, ask you how your meal was. I'll even dig you out. <laughs> the <other party> <laughs> there you <I>. go. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then too, you learned about the specialty products of Iowa Group. Yeah. Known as SPIG. So yeah. check out the website. There's a Facebook page. We'll probably have an Instagram page here soon. Did you want me to give more egg cooking tips? Tips. I didn't really yeah, you got you got an egg recipe you want to share? If you if people made it all the way through, I just want I just want you to not cook your scrambled eggs very quickly. Okay. I want slow you to cook. Low, really low heat. Stir it gently, gently. Take it off the heat as it coagulates. It could take five or six minutes to scramble an egg in a pot, in a, in a pan with butter. Add a little more butter at the end, too. Yeah. Mm. I might have to World's splice best. this and put that tip at the beginning you of can. this podcast. You can. What about creme fraiche? Put creme, creme fraiche in Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say that, but uh, that sounds... It's a little snooty. Yeah I, yeah, I just do the butter. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you just heard the best way to make scrambled eggs. Hey, if you got an egg recipe... That you mm. want to share? Yeah. That'd be great, man. Of course I will. Awesome. Happy to. Yeah. So 
Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Scramble Podcast. This may, in fact, be the longest episode of the I'm Scramble sorry. Podcast. I'm sorry, cut a lot of it. I'll cut all of it. Yeah, we'll pretend like this never happened. Let's um, go from <laughs> Matt to the rest here's of the Scramble Egg Recipe. <laughs> See you it. later. Thanks. We'll sum it up. So, but yeah, we thank you all uh, for sticking around and during uh, these 72 minutes with us. Are you serious? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, but I think it was, I mean, uh, you know, it was a good time well spent by all. And especially you listening, I would I would think, right? I Hey, if you get a long drive in the car during the holidays? Yeah. I mean, could you subscribe on all Speaking of long platforms? drives, maybe I could get some money for, some gas money for coming out here. You take eggs? Oh, my God. So far. We'll send you home with some eggs, man. So far. All right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks all for listening. Amazing, amazing life we're all living. Yes, it's terrible.